0: It is a special time of year for Dad and I just because we have been doing the show thing together for so long and I love, I love nothing more than making my dad proud.
1: G'day and welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast in collaboration with the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria. I'm your host, Ollie Lalive, and over the next 11 days we've got something pretty exciting in store. The Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria, or RASV, has proudly presented the Royal Melbourne Shows since 1855. It's Victoria's largest and most iconic annual community event, attracting more than 450,000 visitors and contributes more than $244 million to Victoria's economy each year. Due to the impact of COVID-19, the Royal Melbourne Show was canceled this year for only the third time in its 165 year history. After what has been an incredibly testing year for many people, we are very excited to be celebrating the Royal Melbourne Show online this year. Over the next 10 days, you'll be hearing stories from a range of people who are all actively involved in the show, and some of them for nearly 50 years. So far we've had Doug and Laurel and Jason Ronald talk about the importance and the history of the show, and what it means to them. Today we're hearing from Amy Bolton, who's been involved with the Royal Melbourne Show her whole life. Her dad first started exhibiting back in 1997, and he's dragged her around ever since. Certainly not against her will. She's progressed through the ranks of exhibiting cattle, into judging, and now has a critical role assisting the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria in the facilitation of the Royal Melbourne Show in the beef, cattle, and carcass competitions. She currently works at NH Foods in Oakey in Queensland. And as much as she was looking forward to coming to the Royal Melbourne Show this year, it just wasn't the plan in 2020. So what better way to find out a bit more about Amy's story than to get her on the podcast? From a young age, she's been involved in local shows. She served as a youth ambassador. So I wanted to know how her love for them has been shaped. She touches on the opportunity and importance of young people to be involved in show societies. And the chance to join the various committees and boards has actually helped her in her professional career. She received the RASV Youth Travel Award and headed to the US where in true Amy fashion, she was looking at youth programs in Texas that she could bring back to Australia and implement for the RASB. She touches on the importance of communication in agriculture and how the sector communicates with a broader audience. Enjoy the chat. So Amy welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast.
0: Thank you Ollie and I feel extremely honoured to be a part of this to get to come on and and speak with you about something that I am so passionate about and that I have been involved in a long time and I think has probably truly helped shape who I am today and the places I've got to um, so I'm really excited to talk about it and share with people my experiences and opportunities that are really available to everyone that wants to put their hand up. And I really appreciate you reaching out and getting involved to, to do this.
1: And so we will be talking a whole bunch about the shows and they've obviously, yeah, as you said, shaped a lot of who you are. But when did you actually start showing cuddle?
0: So I think I obviously attended a lot of shows in a pram um, at a very young age, but I think my first ever heifer show I attended was, it was in Parks, it was the Hereford Junior Show, and I think I was a a sneaky age of four when I first uh, entered the ring and led my first animal around, and it's pretty easy to say it probably hasn't stopped since then.
1: (laughs) And so you don't just turn up at a show by chance, your dad had a lot to do with getting you along, and he's been incredibly involved with both the Royal Melbourne Show, but kind of country shows more broadly?
0: Yeah. So I, dad actually grew up in Sydney, which is um, an awesome story in itself. Grew up in the inner suburbs of Sydney and went to an ag school there where he, um, he fell in love with cattle and and agriculture and then uh, moved down to the Golden Valley uh, where he built his own uh, hoof trimming business. And yeah, has always stayed involved in um, showing cattle for a number of people and then beginning our own stud. Um, And then I guess us girls have just been, I'm one of three, three daughters we've just been uh, raised with it and I think has helped teach us so many just day-to-day skills and yeah I feel very I feel very blessed to have my dad he is such a go-getter and has just honestly supported me through all of this and always and and just helped you know the times where I've doubted myself my dad is 100 percent always backed me in and the same as my mum. so I'm very lucky I've had such a supportive upbringing in that chasing my dreams which is Within agriculture and I suppose more specifically supporting young people in agriculture. So yeah, I've been very lucky.
1: That's cool. There's a few there's actually so many people involved in the industry that do come out of like the cities and then get incredibly involved in it. But being so tightly knit as a family, you've moved to Queensland for a job with NH Foods, working as a supply chain analyst at Oki in Queensland. Like how yeah, initially, how did that move go for you? Obviously, moving away from the family would have been a big decision
0: yeah so i have always i've always wanted to get into the the red meat side of things um coming from the livestock uh background i think it's really exciting to um tie it all together and really understand the whole supply chain and and i knew queensland was really the place i wanted to go for that there's um you know a lot of um, processing facilities up here a lot of um stakeholders and bodies that are right up in research in the red meat sector so i knew it was the place i sort of had to come and I kind of had my heart set on it for a long time, so um, it's definitely been a struggle. And I think I've probably moved amidst one of the most trying times that we'll ever see. So, I guess with border closures and everything, it's um it's a bit sad sometimes. And my sisters, who are both living overseas, have come home, and uh, we're never all together as a family anymore. As I've said, having parents that um you know really supporters chasing our dreams that my sisters yeah have been living all over the world uh chasing their own dreams and now they're back and i'm up here so it's pretty interesting but um it's really exciting i love calling my mom and dad and telling them about my day and how, the things i'm learning and you know it's I love especially dad like dad's so interested in it all as well and just you know probably things that he you know maybe wanted wanted to have done and and learn more about too so it's really cool it's just you know i'd love to see them again soon maybe hope for Christmas but who knows I'm definitely doing what I've always wanted to do so I I feel proud in that way and and my parents you know they miss me but they you know want me to do exactly what I want to do so.
1: And Okie Beef is a really interesting kind of business isn't it because you've obviously got the feedlots nearly on your doorstep of the processing facility and then you're going straight out overseas from there like what does a day in the life look like for you Or, or you know any given week what could you be doing?
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm fairly new to my role, and I feel really lucky to be a part of um, NH Foods and out at OT Beef because I think we do uh, produce some of the best meat in Australia, if not the world. Um, we we do a lot of branded beef, and I, I still get excited to go over to the boning room and when they're breaking down a body and see see those bodies and see you know those really high marbling wagyu. Like it's still sometimes such a novelty for me because I just think it's so awesome to see. I get to do a lot of I've been doing a bit of animal welfare lately. I've been fortunate enough to get put through my animal welfare auditing course, so that's been really exciting. To I'm right out with the livestock and then see them go through the plant and come out the other end, and um, really just I suppose a lot of my job as well as working with our branded beef programs, uh, keeping our keeping track of the yields and uh, trying to analyze how we can get more out of them, and uh, making sure we're not missing pieces, that sort of thing. But as I said, you know, I'm very new. A lot of this is still developing and coming. Um, but then I get to work with the livestock side as well. And and on that side, I'll hopefully get to help out with some animal health programs and increasing, I guess, a bit of the producer understanding of how they can make on-farm decisions that will better increase animal health to then better increase their carc- carcass yields and at the end of the day, um, push up their bottom line. And. And that part's really important to me, I think, because I have, I am a producer and you know, I see what goes into the day-to-day work of producing an animal. And I'm lucky enough now to get to see it go through the whole supply chain. And Okie Beef, I think, honestly, I've been to a fair few plants in Australia and around the world, and it is truly state-of-the-art. And I feel very lucky to be part of that team. And I think I'm part of a very passionate and agile team. We're seeing a lot of changes at the moment. And... You know, I'm part of a team that is really happy to embrace those changes. You know, make the decisions and and stay on the front foot. So, it's really exciting. I'm really enjoying it, and and can't wait for what's to come. I suppose, but yeah, it's been definitely crazy amidst the uh, the global pandemic. But we're also really on the front foot of that as well. It's I'm astonished at the level of things we've implemented to keep not only our community at Okie Beef safe, but also people that are coming coming in to deliver things and out. It's just Yeah, we're going to, we've got such a stringent plan in place.
1: So it's really, it's quite awesome to see. Hey, it's Nick here, Sheep Farmer and Rabobank Regional Client Council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community wellbeing and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag rural health, sustainability, and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision, and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www.rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you. love hearing you talk about it did you ever consider another career like not in agriculture
0: um i don't really tell many people this but i used to think that i used to go to a really cool dentist in um in melbourne and i really was like oh my god i want to be a dentist but i think that's because i went to a really nice dentist you know it was in a high-rise building it was all white everyone was so friendly and smiley and i was like i think i could be a dentist like you know, they did some pretty cool things to my teeth. So it's that's totally random. But like I just for a second there, a little while thought dentistry would be cool. But that was a very minute thing. I I never really ever thought about anything else too hard, to be honest. It was always I wanted to do something in ag. and, And I knew that right the way through school, I think. And then I finished school, went to uni, and then, you know, jumped right into exactly where I wanted to hop into. And I think no job is ever going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. And I think the most important thing these days now is not having expectations because, you know, that's what you set yourself up with ideas. And then if they're not there, you're going to be, you know, upset. So I think I've really coming into NHV, I've really tried to have an open mind and, and really just put my hand up and, you know, ask, ask any questions and, and, and do anything really that's, you know, thrown at me.
1: Definitely. I know, like, so when I, finished uni not that long ago but um I actually thought my first job out of uni was going to be my dream job and like, I think it's funny how you get yourself in that mentality and far out like, yeah. like all I did was just I was so disappointed enough about me back to you you yeah you've been involved in the local shows and a few years ago you actually became an ambassador for rural shows with your local community the Golden Valley Rural Shows Association but what is the importance of these rural shows to the local community and what does it mean being able to bring together people for that
0: yeah so I think I really think it's been challenging over the years to keep that really rural community feel at country shows um but I think I I just feel like I've built such a family we call it the show family you've probably heard people talk about it but um you know exhibit it shows year in year out and it's the same in you know, especially country shows, there is a real community feel of the people that have come year in, year out and that are always there to help. And they're the people this year that have been so affected by the fact that all these little shows haven't been able to go on. And there's probably been a lot of people that is the highlight of their year. They spend most of their time organising things, whether it's the flowers or the decorations or or simply, you know, the marquees and the chairs. People spend all year getting excited for that sort of thing. And and to see people, people come from near and far, even for different particular country shows. And I just think that it is becoming harder and harder to keep that feeling um, going at the shows now. You know, there's more and more, you know, implementation of Sideshow Alley and and getting away from what agriculture really is. But I think we, especially as young people, still have the opportunity to keep that going. And I think getting as many young people like ourselves that are passionate about it involved in these shows is is what needs to happen because a lot of the people still on those on, at rural communities on those show committees are you know an older generation they're so passionate they 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 will honestly stay on those boards until the day they die because they want to see the show survive and live and i think maybe that's then where the gap breaks a little bit. We need young people on those boards, on those committees to keep it going that are passionate because otherwise it nearly can get handed over to people that are going to run the show as a business. And I get that side of it too. I get that, you know, running those things is a business, but you know, you have to have some compassion about it because it is people that, you know, have exhibited for years and years and they want that feeling of a tight knit community. And and a lot of those people do want to involve young people, but it is again, the, the confidence thing of putting your hand up and saying, hey, I can help out, I can chip in. And it's like I've been on a few country show boards and stuff and it's literally usually like a meeting once a month or something. It's not a whole heap of your time that you have to really commit all the time and you're not going to get all this responsibility straight away. It's going to be little things um, along the way. So I just think it's just so important to get young people to those shows that are passionate just to keep – that feeling going otherwise I it does worry me that you know it'll get too far away from you know the agricultural side of it and, and that's what those shows you know were designed for in the first place so I think it's so important to keep that going.
1: Yeah definitely and so it, excuse my ignorance here but like is the local show the stepping stone to say to get to the Royal Melbourne show?
0: Um, I, I think it probably used to be but today I don't think so as much I think there's a number of bigger country shows that a lot of say high schools attend with steers and students um, they usually call them a bit of a little break-in show so it's the first outing for an animal that probably hasn't been to a show and to stepping out into a completely different environment and those bigger country shows attract a lot of people and a lot of um, agriculture and a lot of the cattle and then they'll step onto you know Melbourne Show in the following months. But I wouldn't say people now go and exhibit at a country show and then to Melbourne Show. But I think Melbourne Show is very individual in the way that I believe it is probably the most welcoming royal show um, in the country. I think it's very it's very individual in the way everyone on the committee has exhibited at the show and still either does exhibit or is just having a year off. And I think they make it. They keep that country show feeling. That's not extremely overwhelming and intimidating. Um, they do a very good job of making everyone feel again part of that show family, that community. So it's not. Yeah, it's not as I think Sydney show isn't exactly someone step straight into. But Melbourne show, I think, have been so good in keeping that feeling of a community feel, and you know, having people that exhibit at the show and know exactly what it takes to you know get an animal prepared get it to the show and then show it having those people on the committee helps so much more because they understand exactly what everyone has been through so we've been able to keep that feeling at melbourne show really well so i think people are you know more willing to come and exhibit at melbourne for the first time even if they haven't been to a show before
1: yeah nice and so on the exhibiting front your dad has been exhibiting since 1997 when you were born, and- You've only missed one or two years. And I think what's so cool is that it's like generational, the people that are getting involved in this. And so your yeah. dad's actually been chairman of the beef cattle section for the last five years. Um, yes. And obviously you've been getting more and more involved in that. What's it like working alongside your dad to actually bring the cattle side of the Royal Melbourne show together?
0: Uh, it's it's awesome. It's been, I guess, yeah, a little while now we have been doing it. And I think... It honestly is the most, I say to everyone at the moment, it is my favourite time of the year and I'm so sad to be missing out on it this year. Um, I don't know how many texts Dad and I have sent each other just saying, oh, God, just wish wish it was the Melbourne show coming up. So, yeah, it's I think it's a really special time of year for my dad and I because, yeah, he's really, you know, I've been his sidekick forever going to all the shows and I can't, I know how proud he is to see me love what he has loved for so long and to get to work together. And and we, I guess we function the same We're We're very black and white people. There's, you know, there's no gray area with us and, and we're people that will, we'll make it happen. You know, exhibitors have questions, like we'll do what we can to make it happen and to make everything work and run smoothly. So I think, yeah, we we do operate the same. So it's awesome to get to work with dad. And, and I think it helps as well, because he knows as well, he can probably get a little more frustrated at me than other people. So if he needs, you know, I, I, as even though we function the same, I'm probably a bit of a mediator as well. So I can just be like, all right, well, you know, let's just, we can't approach it like that. Unfortunately, let's go this way about it. So it's awesome. And yeah, I think it is a special time of year for dad and I just because we have been doing the show thing together for so long and I love I love nothing more than making my dad proud and um yeah I think he loves nothing more than getting to work with me and have his daughter yeah love what he loves I think and by by choice as well you know dad's never pushed that we've all us girls have had to love the show thing and it's evident my older sister's a dancer and my younger sister, well, she wants to be a doctor and is right into the horse side of things, and and I just fell right in love with the cattle thing. But we all grew up doing the country show thing and doing the Melbourne show thing. So, and we are all so proud of it and love it. Like it's yeah, it's shaped who we are. So, I love promoting it and I love talking about it. And but yeah, I'm lucky. I'm so lucky to get to do it with my dad as well. So it's yeah, it's awesome.
1: And so, like the show obviously has been 160 years it's been going for every September it's gone through wars um and obviously this year given the global pandemic things have have stopped but when do the conversations actually start for you guys to begin planning um for the for the various events at the show
0: um so I think honestly every year the show closes up we send out a survey that comes back and and within a month the beef cattle committee i know are together again planning for the next one and um as i've talked about the beef cattle committee they are so passionate and they've all they all exhibit or have exhibited and and it's always looking for what more we can do and where we can fix things up and you know and everyone is extremely extremely excited to keep the idea of that small community that show show family going at the melbourne show and and we have a pretty awesome team that help us do that as well like um Grant Coverdale has, you know, he's been involved there for so long and does such an awesome job with us. So we've been so lucky to have people like him and Sarah to, um, you know, to keep to keep that going and keep that dream alive for us. So that's, we've been really lucky that way and, and hopefully moving forward, we can continue to do that. But yeah, I know we're having a steer show still this September, uh, the last weekend uh, that we're running at the Yay Sale Yards as a part of the Melbourne show. And it's it's predominantly for those school kids as well that have been preparing steers all year amidst this pandemic. And the Melbourne show is the pinnacle for them. That's where they get to walk in the ring and show their steer. And Even though it's not going to be the same this year, it's still something for them. And it's still the process of feeding a steer, raising a steer, getting it to a show, maybe winning a prize, it, it getting slaughtered, and then they get the feedback of it. So it's the whole paddock to play experience for them to learn about um, so yeah the and i can tell you as soon as that closes up it'll be ideas throwing around of what can we do next year how can we make this better next year so yeah the committee's so forward thinking and always looking for ideas so the planning happens pretty much i think we meet nearly once a month after the show finishes to get it rolling for the next year so yeah it's awesome it's it's really it's it's cool being part of such a team that are you know so excited every year to make it better and even if things don't always go to plan it's well next year we can make it even better so it's awesome
1: and you guys just did that very quickly i was actually <laughs> one of those school kids many moons ago like in year 10 uh we actually yeah got donated a couple of cattle and we got to train them up and show them and then we worked with the local community butcher who. We uh, then got to eat Brutus, which was, it was actually a really cool, cool experience. Yeah, too. it's but awesome. Yeah, you get so involved I, in it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I think it speaks for itself in still having the steer show this year. There was not one moment that committee were like, oh, we're going to have to fold the whole show. It was whatever it took to get that going, It, it's going to happen. So I think, yeah, that really speaks for itself in how passionate they are and, it, and it's fueled for the young people there is, anyone's allowed to exhibit in the steer show but it is i think melbourne Show's done such a great job of improving their youth program um each year and that's where i've become involved as well and it's not only the the organization and helping with the collaboration of the data and presenting those results of uh, what goes on at the abattoirs but it's we run young um youth events now where i speak about the opportunities i've had through the Um, through coming up through the ranks and now having been able to um, go on different scholarships that I've gotten through the through growing up in the show world Um, and now I get to you know talk to young people even if it's as simple as going through how to write a resume how to conduct yourself in an interview little things like that um, just to you know give them a bit more of an idea of, of how to how to get into those opportunities and to put their hand up and I think a lot of the kids that do come to the Melbourne show maybe don't haven't grown up in, in a supportive environment I have. So it's trying to make those people feel like, you know, they still have those opportunities. It doesn't matter where you've come from.
1: And so you, yeah, you just touched on it. You were, or well, the, the youth program within the Royal Ag Society of Victoria has been growing and you were fortunate to receive the youth travel scholarship a couple of years ago. So where did that take you to?
0: Yeah. So I, uh, took the scholarship over to America in November last year. So I went for about a month and the focus of my scholarship was to look at programs um, over there that helped involve young people and particularly in the red meat side of things, I suppose. So um, helping to educate kids more, especially in our steer show, more about what happens after their steer leaves the showground, I suppose. So we're looking at how the bodies get broken down Um, you know the different muscles that sort of thing so I focused my scholarship on that and I went to Texas Tech University which is really the heart of meat science uh, in America so I was very fortunate to do that and I spent um, a bit of time with their meat judging team who I had previously met at the ICMJ in Australia in July last year and um, I just spoke to them a lot about I suppose what programs they have going there that support the development of their youth and how they teach their youth about the red meat side of things and a lot of the programs they do have are similar to ours they're probably on a bigger scope over there they really live and breathe that side of things so it it was programs similar to what we are going to try and implement so where the kids maybe get to do a mock class of judging live steers and then we'll keep those three bodies that then can come back to the show and get judged as, as bodies, as meat. So that sort of thing that's really implemented over there. Um, and then I travelled to a few different branches there as well, um, just I suppose to see that side of things, how they operate over there and different climates where I was, was heavily, um, heavily snowed on at the time and just how intense their agriculture can become, especially times like carving. Like they have a lot of their cattle in barns to carve out because it's just too cold for them to do it outside. They'll snap tails, snap ears, all that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, and I I also attended the Angus Convention as well in Reno, Nevada, which was absolutely epic. And, again, it was on the looking for youth programs as well, which they had their three Angus ambassadors present on the different projects they'd done over the years. They were ambassadors um, for the breed. So that was awesome. It was held in a massive casino and... I think they kept telling me, oh, it's a bit of a smaller event this year. There's only 7,000 people here. <laughs> and I was sort of like, oh, yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
1: just just 7,000.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the scale of things there is just insane. But um, the Angus, Angus breed over there, as in Australia, really pushed their youth. So it's exciting to see the different programs they have and, and especially educational things. Like it's not just you're an ambassador and, you know, promote, promote our breed promoter show if they're given projects and ideas and things to work on to then give back in a measurable way I suppose um because that's important as well like and that's why I'm so involved too in the show it's given me so many opportunities that I just want to keep giving back to help provide opportunities for other people that are coming through and Um, and and that's the most exciting thing really just being able to make the programs better at the show and and getting that exposure through that scholarship which I'm so thankful for um, has been awesome and you know this year it's a trying time to implement anything as such but you know we'll start planning for next year I think just getting a steer show going this year was was challenging enough as it is so I can't wait to you know put some of those ideas out there and hopefully put them into play for 2021.
1: I just reckon it's incredible and hats off to you that like you you go and get this scholarship but then your first thought is actually okay well i'm going to do this so i can then give back like is your, the whole mentality of what you're doing, yeah. and it's so impressive that basically like royal melbourne show royal access Society is like here's an, an opportunity for someone to go and experience something somewhere else but your first thought is okay i'm going to america because i want to understand more about what they're doing with their youth to bring back to australia it's unreal
0: yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's such a good opportunity. And I think you really have to, um, I guess, maximize on those times because they don't come around all the time. So <laughs> you've really got to make the most of it. And yeah, I guess I'm just so excited about what we can do at the Melbourne show um, and lucky to have a team that, you know, no idea is a bad idea there. So I think that's just, yeah, it's such an important attitude to have.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so, you mentioned a little bit earlier around social license, but I think this is where the city shows and particularly the Melbourne one, which is Victoria's largest agriculture event each year when it comes to engaging the broader community in what happens around agriculture and what is it really happening? Like, why is it important for you? Do you think to use the show as that opportunity?
0: I think it- it's a good, it's a good chance because there is so many people that come there to try and communicate that to them. It is challenging. And you as yourself know uh, how challenging it is. And and humans of agriculture is helping combat that, which is just so awesome. Um, But at the show, I think so many people come there. It's a great time to be able to, um, to show them and educate them you know, what really it is about. And it starts at just the, seriously, just the show stalls where the cattle are tied up and people come around and, and they'll ask questions. They'll want to poke and prod the cows and whatever. And and I think it's, it's that moment there that you can really um, utilize the opportunity to educate someone that maybe has no idea that if it's a bull or a cow to even start off with. And I think those little conversations that happen at the stalls, um, are so much more important than probably what people think because they learn something and then they go to somebody else, whether it's in their family or they go home and they say, actually, "I actually like this today." So I think those times, instead of you know bluffing off someone from the public, thinking it's just somebody else from the city, really try and utilize that opportunity to to educate them to hope that maybe they will just take that back to somebody else and to somebody else. And then I think there's other ways. You know, we've tried to tackle it in um, MLA. Have held a stand there for years. Um, that they you know lead cows around, and it's a time that you can come. At this, the city people can come and listen and get educated about um, about the industry. Um, but I do think it is really just people telling their stories about how they've gotten into agriculture or how they've grown up. And I guess trying to, I think the most important thing is people from the farms need to communicate in a way they understand. We have our own terminology certainly and things we ways we can talk about things and I think some people can nearly try and you know show that off a bit but it's not about showing it off like you know where you're from be proud of that but be able to communicate in a way that people that don't understand can understand so that they feel like you know it's something maybe they could connect with and understand that when they grab a bottle of milk off the shelf or a steak out of the fridge that they can think back a little bit and understand. And it's not something completely foreign to them. So I think as much as, you know, we are trying to combat that people do need to really try and communicate in a way that other people understand because yeah, we have our own way of nearly communicating and talking and have slang and language that we all just understand, but you have to remember people don't understand that. And we've all been, I've been in situations, I've sat in meetings with people you know i've been able to mix with some awesome people in the industry that i just have felt like oh my god i don't understand what's going on um because you know they have a different language and they have a different knowledge base to me but it's just learning to be able to talk talk to people and communicate to people in a way that you think they'll understand so i think that is probably the best thing we can do at melbourne show is to have have those conversations and, you know, be open to it. Even if in the years coming, there's different programs we implement where you can, you know, chat to a farmer or just things like that. But I think the casual way is always going to really be a great way to do it. So, and it's just by conversations like, like we're having now, like, you know, it's nothing too formal. It's just a casual conversation talking about things we're passionate about. So I think that's all you've got to do with these people in their language though. For you,
1: like, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, so as people are walking around at the show and they're asking questions, is it something that you guys as like a, as a committee actually be like, oh, well, let's have, let's have a chat about if you're approached and like, not that there's themes as such that you want to talk about, but like, yeah, nearly like a, a basics 101 in what are some of the fundamentals of things we want to talk about in the industry? If, if you get given the chance
0: that's an awesome idea, Ollie. And we might implement something like that. Um, I can't say we have, you know, had a meeting about that, um, you know, to try and to to try and disperse that knowledge out there more, but you know, that's a really good idea. And I'm glad you've spoken about it because we do have, we have breed captain meetings every morning at the show, just to let somebody from every breed know what's going on um, and what the schedule is and whatnot. And that could be a perfect time to implement that sort of thing. And, and I think it's a challenging thing because you do get some farmers that are probably like, oh, it doesn't matter, it's, you know, it's useless trying to educate and they're not gonna listen, but some are gonna listen and some are, and the ones that are gonna learn stuff and they're gonna take back and disperse that knowledge. So I think we really um, yeah, need to utilize that. So I think, yeah, we haven't really had a discussion like that. Um, we do have ring people that speak while the judging's going on in the background that um, are are people we've had on the microphone for years. They're awesome ambassadors for the industry and they speak through and they go from the basics, you know, as I spoke about our language, they talk literally about paddock to plate, about feeding an animal, bringing it to a show or not bringing it to a show, whatever it is, and then it going through the whole process. and, And, and that's really good. And you do see a lot of people stopped by the ring, just listening to that or sitting down in the stands and that. So that is a great way, but there's, I think what we can do is endless and, You know, this podcast is such an awesome way to, you know, to be combating that challenge. But I think as well there is everyone has a job in this and I think it's just thinking about it and and getting ideas. Like that is an awesome idea to put in place that now we can start looking at to keep because it is our job as producers to get the information out there because some people don't really go looking for it. But if you can put it out there where it is accessible, you're, you know, you're winning. It's a small win to start off with.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think like the thing is, if someone's curious and inquisitive, it obviously shows that they've got like an invested interest. So they actually do want to find out more. So it's like, well, how do we take that opportunity? um, Yeah, to kind of capitalize on it. Um, Exactly. And so I want to ask you a question about the shows. And obviously you've had all these opportunities coming through and then you've probably got a whole fan base of people that are coming through being like, I want to be like Amy Bolton. Uh,
0: Not sure about that.
1: (laughs) I'm sure there have been, I'm sure there's plenty. So when you see younger people coming through, have you got a moment or someone you don't have to mention their name, but yeah, a kind of a a point in time that stands out where you think, how how cool is that? I've seen that person grow up and here they are now.
0: Yeah. So I, As I've mentioned, I've been so lucky to have a supportive family um, to get me around to shows from a very young age and to get access to those opportunities. But And I'm still so young myself, but I do feel like I've been around the shows forever now. And um, I do see young people that have come up through the ranks that maybe didn't have that support, didn't maybe even come from a farming background or, you know, have a family that are really willing to push them to i guess to grab a hold of their dreams um you know there's people around that are in those situations but um i have seen a particular a particular young girl that has worked so hard she's put her hand up everywhere she can to either work for a start or you know even if it's just get a get a lift to a show just put herself out there um in probably situations that have probably been hard for her to you know throw her hand up and, and that sort of thing and um yeah, she's just come up through the industry and, and she's been lucky enough to receive an awesome, an awesome scholarship uh, last year. I think it was the year before. And I think that moment for me was really awesome to see her, um, you know, get a hold of that opportunity that I, I know for a fact she will make the absolute most of because she's had to work so hard to, to, you know, yeah, put herself out there and, and make those networks make those connections which we all all love doing in agriculture and probably take it for granted nearly sometimes um you know so she's come up through the industry and just really really fought for it and so it's just so exciting to see her rewarded with um you know such a special award and so then like i know like her future is so big because she's so passionate and she hasn't probably had the support she's had the show family that have absolutely embraced her because she's such a hard worker so i think moments like that i feel really proud i've been able to help her in different ways along the along her time in the industry and and support her and even just work beside her which has been awesome um and so yeah it's really exciting to then see somebody reap a reward like that and it just goes to show that you don't have to come from the industry or be super you know or or have cattle or have you know have that sort of background like you can come in and if you're willing to work hard and put yourself out there which is is the most challenging thing by far there's still rooms of people I probably sit in and get scared of but um it is breaking down that barrier and you know no no idea is a bad idea and just putting yourself out there and and that's how you are going to find those opportunities and, and reap the rewards and I think we're so lucky to be in an industry that has lots of support for that and as I've said, it has even from day to day things like making it to the ring on time, wearing a nice uniform, and I judge. They're day to day things that help you in life in the littlest of ways. Meeting deadlines, being presentable, being able to speak on a microphone in front of thousands of people—like their life skills. And I think we're so lucky in the industry to have the support and come up and learn those things. That you know, I have friends at uni that are like, "What? Well, how? How are you just okay with doing that on the spot?" You know, but I think it's the industry I've grown up with and being able to do things on the spot and just be agile and be enthusiastic. It's very easy to talk about this though, because I love it so much. So (laughs) it's super easy, but yeah, I think the industry has so much to offer and it's so exciting to see young people come up through that. Yeah. Maybe haven't come from um, a background that is extremely supportive. So yeah, I'm yeah, it's awesome. And I think it just makes me feel really proud and I just want to keep seeing young people get those same benefits and opportunities. So anything I can do to help and push that is honestly the best. I love doing it.
1: And so I normally ask a question in the podcast where I say, well, what would be your advice to school students if you got the chance? But I think you've just nailed it in that. So you're a step ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> so to wrap, wrap things up there, is there anything that y- yeah, you want to say to Royal um, Ag Society of Victoria about the Royal Melbourne show um, for the listeners?
0: Um, I suppose I'm probably biased, but I think the Royal Melbourne Show, especially the agricultural side, and I have no doubt it's it's the same in every pavilion from the wood chopping to the pig to the poultry. The community feeling is, you know, is what's going to keep you know agriculture alive. And I think and embracing young people, it, it's hard for people to hand over responsibility, uh, you know, especially the ag shows, the people that have been involved for years to step back a little bit and see young people take over. little bit but you have to embrace those young people that are passionate and take them on board because otherwise they'll go to another community or another show that is going to take them on so I think it's so important because they're passionate about it too they want to see the community the community spirit stay alive and 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 the family that communities and country shows build so I think you know there's a lot of kids at Melbourne show that do go to country shows that are going to be great for those country shows they've they've been able to come to Melbourne show and, and, and learn lots of things. And and even just from yeah, our youth program and the, and the talks that we have about encouraging kids to get into um, ag shows to keep them going. Yeah, I think that's things they can take back. So it's those ag shows embracing that, embracing those young people and asking for it as well, saying during judging, you know, is there young people that want to put their hand up and come and help out, even if it's stewarding right through to then organising the competition. So I think that's how we're going to keep, the community spirit alive and no one wants to see that that at all so i think yeah it's just accepting a bit of change i suppose
1: yeah definitely well thanks for joining us for the humans of agriculture podcast for the royal melbourne show although we can't be there physically this year it's awesome to be able to still celebrate just how important agriculture is to the city of melbourne and to victoria
0: absolutely Thank you so much Ollie for having me on and I think um, yeah it's such an exciting thing to be a part of this and I'm yeah feel really fortunate to jump on um, and be a part of humans of agriculture I think you're doing an awesome job and in, in combating that challenge that we are facing in the industry so um, thank you and thank you for having having this um, having this podcast and and this idea and this dream to help help bring the city I guess to the country so yeah thank you again and to the Melbourne show I I'm so fortunate to be involved in in what I think is the best royal, best royal show in the country.
1: Thanks for tuning in again as part of the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria's celebration of the Royal Melbourne Show with Humans of Agriculture. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Amy and you guys had some takeaways from it. You can reach out with any questions to us at hello at humansofagriculture.com via email and we can answer them in the next episode. Or you can get in touch with us on Instagram at humans of agriculture with an underscore. You can tune back into the Humans of Agriculture podcast on Friday morning where we'll be chatting with Dion and Ray Brook from Hamilton in southwest Victoria. We'll be understanding a bit more from the father-son duo, what's happened at the show over the years and what opportunities it's opened up for them. Cheers.